Hello and welcome to episode 376 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. I'm Ben Olson, that's Nathan Fox. Together we're the co-founders of LSATdemon.com and the LSAT Demon Daily Podcast. If you want to get on an upcoming episode, email us at help at thinkinglsat.com. This is going to air on Monday, November 14th, 2022. We usually record the next day. We won't this week, but if you email us the day the podcast drops, you will probably get on the next episode. Uh, the next LSAT is not until January. The registration deadline for that is December 1st. So you got a few weeks here to make that decision. You can find all those dates at lsat.link forward slash dates. In a couple weeks on Friday, November 18th, Nathan is teaching a free class at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. Again, that's Friday, November 18th. It's financing your law school education. Boy, Nathan, what are you going to talk about? I'm going to talk about scholarships to law school. Yep. I'm going to talk about the t- hundreds of thousands of dollars that are out there uh, for for you. We've had individual applicants get more than a million dollars in scholarship offers, and it could be you. So we're going to talk about that a lot. I guess we can also talk about all the other horrifying things that happen if you don't get those uh, scholarships to law school. But uh, yeah, the bulk of the class will be about scholarships. Okay. You can register for that at lsat.link forward slash Nathan. That link, by the way, will take you to all of Nathan's free classes as they come up. So just remember that one. lsat.link forward slash nation. <laughs> Not nation. Nathan. <laughs> uh, on the show today, we talked about several things, but oh, shoot. My desk is going crazy. The highlight for me was the uh, University of South Carolina Law School um, Carolina Law Research Scholar Award letter that we got to read. I found that to be very interesting to learn about a scholarship program that, by the way, you know, these offers are out there. Um, If you're thinking about applying to University of South Carolina, you might want to consider that they've already been giving scholarships this cycle uh, and the ball is now in the court of anonymous who wrote in to show us the offer and talk about a deadline that they face, uh, to determine whether to accept this offer or try something else. Yeah, that was interesting. I would say my highlight was the fact that we had three emails with astronomical improvements in score. And for all three of those folks, we also told them to retake the test. <laughs> Neither of those things are really anything new, right? We just like people improve by a lot. So we get lots of mail from students who say, hey, I killed it. Thank you. That's fantastic. And then we almost always respond immediately with like, you ever think about getting greedy? Because like maybe you could have done even one or two clicks higher than that. And uh, there's not really any downside. So, yeah, we ended up uh, arriving at that conclusion three separate times during the show. Yeah. I want to double down, though, on the uh, please email us things like the South Carolina letter that we looked at today. Yeah. If you send this stuff to us, we can make it public and shed you know more light on this whole process and honestly learn more. I mean, it, the game is constantly changing. You know, like I have no idea whether this offer that they made to this one applicant is something new or something old. It could you know, that could be a brand new innovation this year. It'd be really interesting to get more of those documents. So as your offers, if you have already applied and your offers start to come in, just go ahead and forward that stuff over to us and we'll uh, get it on the show agenda. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we have an email here from Armand. 
says, hi, Ben and Nathan. Just wanted to send some appreciation as my October LSAT score came back this morning. I took my very first diagnostic test over a year ago, and it was a 151. I tried a few different test prep companies, desperately trying to get my score to a place that would give me a shot at T14 schools. Until using the demon, it was rare for my practice tests to go beyond the low 160s. I was beyond excited this morning to see that I scored a 173 on my LSAT. The highest that I have ever scored on a practice test was a 175, so this score was at the upper end of my range. I'm very grateful that I found the demon because I genuinely believe that nobody else teaches the LSAT better than you too. Lots of bad PTs and restless nights over the past year, but today's a good day and the demon is a part of it. Exclamation points. Cheers. Arman. That's exciting. Yeah. Excellent news. Scored near the top of your range. Arman, you always could take it again to get greedy. A few more points would be, you know, excellent. It would be definitely a step, you know, toward those T14 schools. But 173, you're probably going to get some offers anyway, assuming that your uh, grades are good. Yeah. I mean, that was my thought exactly. It's November. Uh, so unless Armand is trying to squeeze in this cycle, you have time till next fall to take the test again. And boy, if you could get 175, <laughs> 176, that could make I a mean, difference. I mean, he has scored a 175 on a practice test. So yep. no reason, you know, those numbers are certainly in play if he took it again. If he scores a 170, who cares? Because his high is still 173. Yeah, exactly. There's not much to lose here. Actually, there's nothing to lose except $200. Yeah. You know what it reminds me of? Hmm. You know, those um, like if you're going to strap something down onto the roof of a car. They make those belt things that have a ratchet kind of a, a device to to like cinch it up yep. or zip ties yeah. work the same way where the the thing only goes one way. Yes, that is so, exactly right. <laughs> I was wondering where you're going with this, but yeah, you can only go up. You can only right, get tighter. It's, it's, it, right, and like it, you can move, jostle around or move it around or whatever, and it might not get tighter. It doesn't always get tighter, but it never gets looser. And sometimes it does get tighter. And that's that's how this works with it, with this like just man, like one more point. It would be like click. So it could be worth it for a retake for Armand. Yeah. You want to read this one from uh, Alex? Yeah. So this is uh, subject line LSAT demon success story. Smiley face. Hi, guys. I just received my October 2022 score and wanted to share. My diagnostic was a 139. Throughout the four months I was using the demon, my scores ranged from 149 to 159, with 159 being written two days before my test. I had technical issues and was crying before my test even started. To my surprise, I wrote a 163. I would not have been able to do it without the demon. Thank you so much. Four exclamation points. <laughs> um, that's how you know he means it. No, that's fantastic, Alex. Congratulations. So that's a 24-point uh, improvement for Alex. And it was a 22-point improvement for Armand. Amazing how much progress people can make on the LSAT these days. And also, you know, we told Armand, hey, do you think you could get maybe a point or two higher? What do you have to say to Alex? 
Yeah, well, four points above Alex's highest score means that if Alex does decide to take it again, Alex will want to get those practice test scores up. True. You're scoring above the top of your range. So, you know, like that's as lucky as you're going to get probably. Now, it could also, though, indicate, you know, an improvement in your actual understanding of the test. In fact, it kind of has to, doesn't it, Ben, a little bit? Like that's the highest that Alex has ever scored. When I mean, Alex has a new range now. Yeah. Consider this one of your practice tests. <laughs> and now yeah. your practice test, your highest practice test is a 163. Take more so you can see where you can get. But yeah, there's a lot of room here. So for yeah. for Armand, the the benefits are still huge up at the very top for a couple points. But for Alex, the potential benefit is astronomical. I mean, there are schools you can't get into right now. And you could, with a higher score, get into and go for free. So... You acknowledge that you had technical issues and were crying before the test ever even started. That can't be good for your performance. I mean, you scored 163 despite that stuff. Maybe your real level has shifted. I mean, so that's how it happens. Your your whole range of scores shifts to the right slowly over time. And I mean, for all we know, Alex's true range could have been way higher than 159. I mean, it was right higher than 159 when uh I'm actually, I don't know if I keep going back and forth, he and she, but anyway, when Alex took the test, 163 was in their range. Well, maybe 165 is too. And 167. Do a few more tests and see where you're at. Cause if there's upside there, you, yeah, you definitely get paid if you go for it. Yeah. I mean, you made astronomical improvement. 24 points is not super common. It's more common than it was before, but it's still amazing. That said, okay, but you still have room for some amazing results ahead of you. Yeah, and, and we we saw multiple people who improved by 30 points this year. So, you know, get as greedy as you feel like getting. There's not really a limit to how much you can improve. Yep. Oh, I guess it's me, huh, to read this one from Jared? Yep. Question. I'm 46 years old, married with two kids, ages 3 and 11, and have been a police officer for approximately 10 years. I started my law enforcement career late, so retirement will not be as fruitful for me as it will be for my colleagues that began their careers when they were 18 or 20. My wife has a rare medical condition that is forecast to get progressively worse and will eventually prevent her from working. She will be disabled. I enjoy being a cop and I enjoy law. I figured working as a lawyer would be a career that I would be able to work and provide for my family well into my 70s. What are your thoughts on making the transition from old crusty cop married with children? No pun intended. That's very confusing. I don't think you were making a pun. You're just not making a... Anyway, transition from cop to law student to attorney. I have a colleague that made the switch 10 years ago and a buddy who's an attorney. They have been pushing me to take the leap. I began studying for the LSAT with LSAT Demon not too long ago. My reading is slow as shit, and it feels like my brain is fucking rusted shut when it comes to any type of scholastic activity. I study in my patrol car at work between radio calls. I've been scoring horribly on the drills. The other day, one of the answers I selected for the reading comp or logical reasoning was wrong. And in the video review, one of you guys laughed at the answer and said, 
I don't know where your mind was if you selected that answer. Like, who's the idiot who selected that answer? I literally laughed out loud at myself in my patrol car. I feel as if time isn't really on my side, given my age and lifestyle these days. Full-time work, marriage, kids, etc. Any words of wisdom moving forward or not, LOL. <laughs> That's coming from Jared. What would you like to say to Jared? Well, just desiring to make the shift from cop to law student to attorney isn't enough. I was encouraged by the fact that Jared has two friends in this area, right? So Jared's going to know a little bit more about what's involved with switching than just someone who has some vague notion of what it means to be an attorney. So that's encouraging. But I think the big issue here is whether you're up for the academic challenge and the LSAT's going to tell you that. It's going to tell you what you are not good at. You can then try to figure that out. A lot of people have. Sometimes that takes several months, maybe even a year. But if you can push through that on the LSAT, then you have a much better chance of succeeding in law school and in your legal career. So use the LSAT as a guide. Yeah, I, th I have no doubt that you can do it, Jared. It's just a matter of whether you will yourself to do it. You say you're scoring horribly on the drills. That's where you need to start. You need to you need to start getting them right on the drills. Yeah, because drilling is one question at a time. So take all the time you need to understand it. Get it right. If you get it wrong or even if you get it right, watch the explanation as you're doing. It sounds like you're doing really make sure you understand it and then go to the next question. You don't need to do five questions every break you have just do one. Oh, much better to do one and get it right and really understand it uh, than to, you know, race through five and miss all of them. I mean, if that's what you're doing, you're just completely wasting time. That's you're spinning your wheels if you're missing a lot of questions. And, you know, it really goes for uh, the entire LSAT. You need to do fewer questions and be getting them right on timed sections and you can practice that with your drilling. So you just, you say, well, I'm, I don't know how many questions I'm going to do. I don't have a goal for like, well, I have to drill at least 10 questions or whatever. I don't know. Don't do that. Instead, get one of them, right? It'll feel good. It'll be like satisfying. It could be motivating. Yep. Demon drilling will adjust to you, Jared. So if you are getting a lot of them wrong, it's going to give you easier questions until you start getting them right. And if you can't eventually get the very easiest ones right, then that's a great time to tap out. Because uh, like if you can't get those easy ones, the easiest ones right eventually, then uh, yeah, you're, you, you're going to be in for a world of hurt, I think, in law school. Yep. Right. Hope that's helpful, Jared. Glad to hear you're uh, studying in your patrol car. That's awesome. Yeah. Good use of time, right? I don't know what else you would do while you're sitting in your patrol car, but... Write people seems... tickets? Okay. Yeah. Is that, is that what they do? I don't in know. downtime? Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> um, cool. I'll take this next one. It's from Connor. Hi, I have used the demon since the day the August LSAT score was released. I went from a 166 in August to a 172 on the October LSAT, and I have to thank both of you for that. Okay. 
congrats. That said, I was a, I was disappointed that my score was at the lower end of my range, which was 172 to 180. And contrary to your advice, I was going to apply for the 2023 cycle if my score was a few points higher, most likely a 175 or above. Once I received this score to the dismay of my parents, I drank the Kool-Aid and decided I was not going to take, sorry, I was going to take the LSAT again and apply early next cycle. The reason for me writing this email is that my parents have called me, <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, I just, um, wow, sorry, your parents have said these things to you, quote, moron, idiot, fucking stupid, etc. <laughs> that gave me pause. I like, I couldn't even <laughs> read that. I mean, geez. You don't, uh, you don't say that to the boys? I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyways, um, they have suggested that I'm scared to apply. I think that because most people don't get a full ride, I should just accept my fate and apply to a good school. Good is in air quotes. Think good debt is real and many other absurd accusations. Whoa. <laughs> I've been dealing with this since what is yesterday for me, November 2nd, and it feels it feels much longer, apparently. And I will have continued by the time you read this. Sorry. I will have continued by the time you read this email and remembered a show in which you offered to speak to similarly minded parents. If you could do that, I would be forever grateful. My mom's number is redacted, but... If not, I completely understand and just ask for some words of dis dissuasion as she will be watching this episode. I know I'm capable of scoring higher and I want to apply with my best foot forward in September. Um, okay, here's some other interesting details. I don't know if this is needed, but my GPA is a 3.86. That is nice to know. Thanks for sharing. And my main motivation is making as much money as humanly possible in the field of law so probably corporate law and a T14 or anywhere I can make the most amount of money and not have to pay. And a side goal here of also not actually. Oh, it was a the subject line was disowned by parents. Connor was joking uh, that he was disowned oh, by his oh parents. Oh, God. And he's also not actually <laughs> disowned by his parents. our advice. No, he's yeah. not actually disowned. Uh, thank you for sending your mom's phone number, Connor. Um <laughs> <laughs> the offer was not that I hope I hope my offer was not that I would call them. I will speak to your parents, but they're going to have to call me. I'm not going to go out of my way to dial your mom's phone number and pick a fight with her about law school admissions. Yeah, she's going to have to be motivated and want that conversation. Right? <laughs> if she wants my advice. She can call me for my advice. Uh, but <laughs> we can give the, we can give the advice here, which is you're doing everything absolutely right. You know, you can score higher. You have improved a lot, but you you there's a lot of room left to improve even more. And that improvement plus applying at the beginning of the cycle is going to just make you a super compelling candidate for the top 14. And your goal should not be to get in. Your goal should be to go for free if you can. Yep. Even if the folks are paying for it. You know, why? That could be your down payment on your you know, penthouse in New York city. Well, it's not just the money. If you go to a school for free, that means you're highly likely to be near the top of the class at that school, which is just going to lead to better outcomes for employment anyways. So go to a T14 that's willing to give you a full ride 
And now you know you're going to be near the top of the class. That's going to set you up for OCI that's on-campus interviews, which are highly competitive and numbers-based, just like the admissions process. So everything starts going in your favor. You want to you want to run downhill to your corporate job, or do you want to run uphill or, I don't know, slog <laughs> uphill, right? From yeah. a position of weakness. Uh, yeah. if, you, if you apply now um, with a lower score, be near the bottom of your class and have debt. That's just not fun. Yeah, you'd like, you're starting the game on a harder difficulty level. You could you could play the game on an easier difficulty level where you don't have debt from school. Oh, by the way, you also went to a better school and were a star there. Yep. You can do it. Take your time. There's just no reason to rush into this. Anything else you want to say to Connor's mom specifically? <laughs> Look, I've said a lot of stupid things to my kids that I regret. Um, but if you're ever upset with <laughs> what Connor is doing, my only advice would be to start asking questions first. Try to understand, just say, okay, why are you doing this? And try to listen as opposed to just listen to make a point, listen to understand that's going to be immensely valuable and maybe it'll change your mind at the very least. You'll maybe feel a little bit better about the situation. Yeah. Connor has a really good foundation for this decision. I mean, Connor has thought about it. We've thought about it a lot endlessly for years and talked about it publicly, you know, on the podcast. It's just <laughs> applying to law school with anything less than your best foot forward via the LSAT is really a mistake. And I, and I know that people look at that 172 and they think like, oh my God, it's such an amazing score. Well, it's actually not. Um, 172. It's a fine score. It's a great score. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's yeah. awesome, but it's not Connor like Connor has done a great job, but there's more on the table. <laughs> well, and most people who are applying or most of the people who are getting into Harvard, Sanford, Yale, Chicago, I mean, they have LSATs higher than 172, like 172 isn't the median at yep. those schools. So, um, and 3.86, even though it's a solid GPA is also not the median at those schools. Yeah, you're going to need a higher higher LSAT score to get into the top 14 for free. Right. So why would you start your legal career with a handicap? Why not just wait until you actually get the 175 plus and then apply? All right. Uh, this one's anonymous. Subject LSAC's unaccommodated accommodations. Hi, Ben and Nathan. I'm writing to ask about my start and stop accommodation. You have spoken of it briefly in one of your episodes as someone who has used said accommodation during an official LSAT. I can confirm that, yes, you say stop and the proctor stops the test. When you're ready to start, you tell the proctor ready to start and the clock will resume. To my knowledge, there's no cap on how long you are allotted before you're required to restart the test. Additionally, I have another accommodation for 10 minute breaks between each section. This isn't a luxury. It's necessary to take meds and stop when I feel an episode coming on. The problem is LSAC does not accommodate these accommodations for practice tests in Law Hub. There's no start and stop, no 10 minute break option. I'm struggling with trying to simulate what test day will feel like. Thank you for all of your contributions. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Love and health always 
from anonymous. Okay. Thoughts? Well, in the daemon, you can't yell at the screen and say stop and it will do anything, but you can click on the pause button. I think that's visible in drilling, but in the test, you may actually have to go into the menu, but you can click pause and it will blur. So you can't read the text anymore. I'm curious if on the official test, when you ask them to stop, does the does the test content actually go away or does it, it, it stay has there? to? <laughs> it, it has to. If it doesn't, I, there's no point be, in having a timer, right? Like, right, right. That would be also known as take all the time you want. <laughs> so anyway, assuming that the test official test does that, which I think is highly likely, um, then when you push pause on the Demon, you're essentially doing the same thing because everything will blur and then you can click resume again. In fact, when you click pause, a message pops up. So clicking resume is is easier than pausing. But in any case, yeah. But Ben, then I won't be taking the using the exact same interface. And that's really going to mess me up on test day. No, I mean, how? (laughs) I. I don't want to mock, you know, but I mean, obviously I do. You uh, go ahead and do a test or two on LawHub to see what it's like. But the people who are get all you're just I think you're thinking about it wrong. If you're thinking that taking all your tests in LawHub is a make or break kind of a thing. Yeah. Like it's not worth one LSAT point. I mean, maybe doing it in LawHub once is worth one LSAT point. Yeah, get rid of some surprises, but all those surprises are really going to be resolved in about 30 seconds into the first question. I mean, how crazy difficult is it? Also, if you keep all your prep within the demon, it's going to be right next to all of our explanations, videos, the ask button. You're going to be able to review your mistakes instantly, which hopefully we're going to get you a hell of a lot more than one LSAT point of improvement. So I I just don't, I know there's a section of our subscribers who go do practice tests on LawHub, but I, I, I can't recommend that. I I can't imagine that like it, it just can possibly be a make or break. Yeah. I mean, and even as people listen to this, they may say, Hey, well, look, one point is a lot, but we're saying you can get that point by just doing one practice test in law. Yeah. Stick with me and let me get you 10 or 15 points, you know, like don't, (laughs) what, why are you trying to scratch out singles? Like we need to hit home runs. Yep. And we, that's what we do. So just improve by leaps and bounds. And then all the, like that minutia is not going to, not going to bother you anymore. Anyway, is this even related to anonymous's email anymore? I guess, it, well, yeah, anonymous, if you can just do your tests in the demon and you'll have a pa- access to a pause, which seems like it would solve your problems. Yep, exactly. This next one is from anonymous. Hey, guys, I submitted my all my applications early, like you said, and it worked wonders. Exclamation point. I got a full ride and a graduate assistantship at my state school. Two exclamation points. However, they want me to commit by December 1st. OK, so you got a month. I applied to five other schools and I'm still waiting to hear back. What should I do next? Should I call the other schools and let them know or take the offer? Well, I don't think it hurts to call the other schools and and kind of 
encourage them to make a decision. At the same time, I would call your state school and ask for more time. I uh, followed up with Anonymous and I said, hey, I'd really like to see exactly what they're offering. Can mm. you send me more? Yep. And that's what's next if you want to keep reading. Okay. Here are the letters. I also thought it would be helpful to share my career goals. I'm currently interested in criminal defense, entertainment, or international law, exclamation point. I also applied to Duke, Vanderbilt, UGA, UNC, Wake Forest, and University of Michigan. Okay, so this is the Carolina Law Research Scholar Award letter. Thank you for your patience as our admissions process continues. I am very pleased to inform you that based on your record of academic and personal accomplishments, bold, you have been selected to participate in the Carolina Law Research Scholars Program! Exclamation point. Wow, I can see where these exclamation points are coming from. <laughs> They're <This> multiplying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, heck, if law schools are doing it. Yeah. This program includes the following benefits. $18,000 scholarship for your 1L year. Wait, is that a full ride? Doesn't sound like a full ride. It's, I don't know how much this school costs, but 18000 sounds low. And okay. if it's only for your first year. Anyways, waiver of resident tuition and fees for your second 2L and 3L years or semesters. So maybe it does extend longer, but... It, it actually sounds like the, the benefit increases over time. Waiver of seat deposit with acceptance offer, or acceptance of offer, recognition and activities with alumni and faculty, and stipend of $200 per week for four semesters, fall, spring, 2L and 3L year through research engagement with fac law faculty or other personnel in areas of interest to you. Okay. <laughs> What do you think about that so far? I think we need to dig into it a little bit. Okay. It sounds like that $200 is like a payment for a job. Yeah. You're a law research scholar, which sounds like you're going to actually be working. I mean, I would ask what that work requirement is for sure. Sure. I How mean, many are hours we talking? Are we talking? <laughs> <laughs> I'm making $200 a week, you say? Like how for what? For 20 hours of work? I mean, yeah. that would seriously suck. So, I mean, unless you were studying something that you wanted to study anyway. Yep. So I would, I would dig into that, but I, I wanted, I mean, I don't want to hijack where you were going, but you know, what would you do, Ben, if you wanted to evaluate this offer? Like I, what, what should anonymous do? Well, very, at the very least determine what the actual cost of tuition is. And so how fees. are we doing that? We're going to lsatdemon.com forward slash scholarships and finding the 509 for this. Yep. So you scroll down to 84th in the country. You get to University of South Carolina. I'm now looking at their, from 2021, their standard 509 information report. Just click the little uh, PDF logo. Again, it's lsatdemon.com forward slash scholarships. Okay. Find the 509. Ben's on the 509. I'm on the 509. Yep. Okay. Where are you going to go first here? I'm going down to the second page and it says 1L tuition and fees. This is for, for 2021 to 2022. Non-resident. <laughs> Wildly confusing, by the way. Non-resident is 25000 essentially. Annual fees of $3,000. So that's going to be $28,000. 
Um, resident is a lot cheaper. That's $10,000 plus $2,500 in fees. So about $12,000, $13,000 in, uh, total costs. Well, what's this 13,390 other. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> so this is why I say wildly confusing. I mean, so there's a resident tuition and fees. There's a non-resident tuition and fees. Then there's an other and annual fees. So where does that 13,390 come from? What, what does that signify? I have no idea. Is it, is if it's an additional fee, then it'd be added to these other fee to these tuition amounts and right. fees. That's what I'm a- trying to figure out what that means in the table. Is that, is that an, or, or does other just mean it's another category of applicant? Yeah. Something outside of resident and non-resident international. I mean, that's what I'm, and, oh, and by the way, they don't have that in their part-time program. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> right. Cause there's blank spaces there in the table. So that's only a full-time thing. You can be an other, which has a different tuition. It's not, it's a you know, $4,000 more well, than the resident tuition. Yeah. Well, they don't have any part-time program. It looks like. Oh, I see. So that's why it's all just zeros. Okay. But they didn't zero out the rest of the, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Okay. So anyway, okay. Let's just ignore the other and ignore the annual fees and assume that you're either resident or non-resident. Yeah. Okay. The, yeah. Our, our anonymous is a resident, right? Okay. So if this is accurate and res resident tuition is about 10 grand and fees are about, let's just say 3000. So we're looking at $13,000. Then the $18,000 that's mentioned here for your one L year might cover it. I, I guess. I mean, because the next, you know, the first, the second paragraph says your participation in this program is dependent on being deemed a South Carolina resident by the university's registrar's off office. Yeah. And you have to fill out the documents before you enroll in the fall. No grade point average or class rank conditions to retain this award other than remain in good academic standing. So it doesn't sound like it's a scammer ship. Yeah. Like where they're going to pull it out from under you. Yeah. But it does say you will need to submit your binding Carolina law research scholar matriculant commitment form to the office of admissions by December 1st, 2022. You will also be asked to reconfirm your interest at several intervals and confirm your intent to enroll in June in order to initiate the enrollment process for first year classes. That's weird. That's kind of weird. So they're going to make you like submit a binding matriculant commitment form and then also can reconfirm weird. It almost, it actually seems to undercut their binding commitment. They're, they're acting as if they expect you to walk away. So what do you think about, uh, yeah, exactly. Like that, that's exactly what that indicates to me that this binding commitment is maybe not actually binding. (laughs) Like what happens if I do walk away and you'd probably honestly have to talk to an attorney to know what happens if you do walk away. Like if you, if you decide not to go to law school in South Carolina, for example, how much luck is South Carolina going to have enforcing this agreement on you? with a law school in another state, who knows? I doubt they would enforce it legally, but it might just, you know, there might be a phone call to some of the law schools say, Hey, just so you know, I'm committed here in the same state. It might be like, Oh yeah, they've actually got the goods, but in some other place, if you're willing to do that, it might, I don't know who knows. And again, yeah, they could just call and it could be an 
honor thing or so who knows yeah what do you think about the difference between and this is going to be totally speculating but what do you think about the difference between a scholarship for your 1l year and then in the second year it's not called a scholarship anymore it's a waiver of resident tuition and fees yeah, I don't know if that's some sort of sleight of hand or if it's actually a good thing because they're acknowledging that the cost of tuition is going to go up and we're just going to make sure it's covered. So look at their grants and scholarships down at the bottom of the second page, right next to where the tuition and fees are is grants and scholarships. Yep. Uh, 75% of the students are getting a grant, but among those, 67%, less than half tuition, 8% have to full tuition. Nobody full tuition? Nobody full. There's one soul who supposedly has more than full, but that could be a GI bill or something. Um, well, let, let me, to, to reinterpret, reinterpret this letter, like reinterpret their offer. I mean, if they gave all the 1Ls a scholarship and then just waived the tuition for people in their second and third year would they necessarily report that here because like it, it's not reported as a scholarship instead it's just well you don't you have this bill but we're gonna we're gonna waive it which is a scholarship but they're not calling it a scholarship otherwise there should be some people that are there on full tuition i mean it's actually more than full tuition and here there's there's one person it says that's on a more than full tuition scholarship yeah. So is this offer actually the one of these that they that they give out or, or are there some kinds of shenanigans going on? Yeah, like maybe a bunch of people are getting these and that's why they're they appear to be an only an eighteen thousand dollar scholarship, which is way less than half for the three years. So that's why you have sixty seven percent of the class getting less than half. It's also entirely possible that this is a new strategy from South Carolina. Right. They might have never done this before in exactly this way. And since we when we look at the 509, we're looking at grants Pass. and scholarships from two, you know, 2020 to 2021. Yep. We don't know what the grants and scholarships thing is going to say for 2021, 2022 and beyond. Yeah. So it could just be them doing something. I don't know. OK, so then, well, how do you make a decision if you're anonymous? I would get on the phone with somebody and try to understand what, what, what is actually going on here? What am I going to get? Is $18,000 going to cover my tuition and fees? Sounds like it'll cover more unless tuition. But it wouldn't if you were non-res for your first year. That's what I was thinking maybe is that it's like, well, what if you're not a resident for your first year, but you're going to be a resident for your second and third year? Because mm. I have heard of schools doing that. Yeah. I'm just trying to make it make sense because otherwise it's like, what? Why? Yeah, why well, very lawyerly, right? It's, it's it seems oddly technical. You you want to believe that this means a certain thing, but just just make sure it actually does. I, I would I would be talking to them and trying to understand it. I would also be calling these other schools and telling them, hey, I have essentially, I mean, once you figure out what it is, but I think you could safely say now you have a full ride scholarship to this university. You know, and you'd like a decision. It's so it, it's just like because we've seen the shenanigans or like all of the different magical sleight of hand that people do when they talk about these things. It's just like, OK, so now there are scholarships and there are also waiver of tuition and fees. So when schools say things like, well, we're all out of scholarship money, you know, or or, you know, scholarships are paid for by donors <laughs> and we, you know, those scholarship we 
we, we can't increase scholarships your scholarship. are paid for by donors that's funny okay anyways yeah go ahead <laughs> in theory right <laughs> hastings keeps asking me for money to, i mean i could found a scholarship at hastings i would never in a million years <laughs> waste money that way uh anyway you could be like, oh, OK, great. Yeah. So this, I can't get an increased scholarship. OK, great. Well, so the other thing I wanted to ask you about was, um, would it be possible to waive my tuition and, <laughs> and fees? Yeah, they might be like, no one does that. You'd be like, well, actually, <laughs> South well, Carolina School of Law does. We have evidence that there are schools that do. So, you know, wait, so what's and the also, motive like, here? Why can't you? Yeah, well, why not? Wait, well, so what's the motive here? Is is Does the U.S. News and World Report look at scholarship numbers and maybe discount schools that give too many or more or whatever? Maybe it just looks super shady to be giving so many scholarships. Like they'd they'd rather to put them in a better negotiating position, right? Yeah, so they can just say, hey, look, if, this is rare. What, what do you no, expect we don't from us? Su- no, nah, it's real hard to get a full ride here. Yep. Yeah, we don't do full rides. We will give you an $18,000 scholarship for your 1L year, which is more than the tuition for resident tuition. And <laughs> we'll give a not... fee waiver, but we're not talking about that to other people who are asking well, about scholarships. For your 2L and 3L year, yeah, it's a waiver of tuition. So it's not a scholarship. And that's, you know, different person, of course, because anonymous here is going to be the lucky beneficiary of whatever this uh, whatever this racket is. Um we can say that for sure, Anonymous. You're 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 on the good side of the bargain here. This looks this is nice. It's a good problem to have. What do you do between now and December first? I mean, Ben, would you just are, are you? What if you don't hear back from any of your other schools in time, and it's November thirtieth? What are you going to do? Well, I, assuming we've talked to this school and we like the offer, I would ask them for an extension. Just say, hey, I need a little more time to decide. If they say no, then I'd probably accept it. It sounds like this anonymous is excited to go to his or her state school. If they, so. say, if they say they can't give you an extension, you could say, oh, well, then could you waive the requirement that I tell you by <laughs> December 1st? <laughs> Can I have an extension waiver? <laughs> yeah. Or no, a deadline waiver? <laughs> I mean, hey, it's that's uh, that's what lawyers do, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. And, and the funny thing is you could say it back to them, like totally plain faced, right? Like, oh, I totally understand. That makes sense. I respect yeah. that. But can I get a, a, like a deadline waiver or something like that? Oh, dude. <laughs> it's the exact I mean, same thing. <laughs> Just <laughs> in depth. Think about it. It's like a deposition, right? In a deposition, yeah. you got a witness who is, you know, for the plaintiff or whatever, and you're a defense attorney in this deposition, you're going to keep asking you, like you want to get a damning answer out of the person that you're asking. So yeah. you just keep, you ask them the question, they say no. And then you just ask the exact same question in a slightly different way. And then you do it again over here. And then you just keep, you know, see if you can get them to call it something that means the same. Yep. <laughs> Interesting. Cool. Thank you for writing in anonymous. That was fun. I have one last comment on this letter. Okay, great. Does that, does this letter look like it was actually signed by Karen? That was, you know, we got the person's, the vice dean for admissions here. Looks like a real signature, not like a copy. Why? Because it's a different color? Not just because it's a different color. It like covers everything. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a master in uh, f- determining whether things have been shopped or not. So I, uh, I don't know. 
But I'm my saying, only reason for asking is because if she actually signed this letter, maybe she's not signing that many. And maybe this is one of very few really good offers. Oh, but it actually means something. I mean, you're certainly trying to make it look, you know, important, right? Yep. So sure, I can I can see how she very likely. I mean, this this could be scanned, right? Maybe this was a printed letter. I can't yeah. really tell that necessarily. Yeah. It looks like it. It doesn't, it looks like an, like a copy of an image rather than a PDF. Hey, check out, check out this, uh, offer letter. Where is it further down? It's just the next page. Yeah. The matriculant commitment form. The matriculant commitment form. <laughs> check out what all the things you have to agree to under accept offer. Okay. And you have to put your initials next to each of these claims. Yep. Are these commitments? Uh, first, I will enroll in the University of South Carolina School of Laws Carolina Law Research Scholar Program. Really? For the fall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was confused. Okay. Which program are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I would have thought it was for an entirely different state and uh, for med school. But if you didn't say Carolina Law again. Okay. Anyway. For the fall 2023 semester and will reject all other current or forthcoming law school offers of admission. And so that was the second thing. Well, that, so two, reject all other current and forthcoming law school offers. Okay. Three. First of all, by the way, <laughs> I hate that capitalization. They're using semicolons and ands in one long sentence, but then they're capitalizing the, each of these items. Strange. Anyway, yeah, that should definitely be lowercase. Yeah. <laughs> On the W's. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. And and capitalized will withdraw all other law school applications. Okay. We, I, it's so you shouldn't have different. any other forthcoming law school offers of admission once you withdraw all other law school applications. Yep. Okay. Semicolon and capitalized will not initiate any new law school applications and... <laughs> okay, we get it. Okay. <laughs> I'm committing to you. Man, this should be like a, like a prenup. Anyways, and understand that by submitting a binding commitment, I am relieved of deposit obligations. So that's hmm. your consideration. It's kind of funny. It's like you're committing to the fact that you're not going to get something in return. You are going to get something in return. That's oh, okay. the consideration. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Understand that by my enrollment in this program. Oh, sorry. Understand that my enrollment in this program is dependent on being deemed a South Carolina resident as determined by the University of South Carolina's registrar's office. If you are deemed a non-resident, you will not be eligible to participate in the Carolina Law Research Scholars Program. Oh, notice program is capitalized here, but will be considered for alternate scholarship options. Are you still committed to the school? You just, you've withdrawn all your other applications. That sucks, <laughs> right? Like you're, you burned your bridges, but they're like, oh, sorry. You don't get this. Okay. Next option is to decline the offer and request an alternate, alternate scholarship consideration. I wish to decline my offer to participate in the Carolina Law Research Scholar Program, and I request alternate scholarship consideration. Oh, that's not very exciting. No, Anyways, and then it's just a withdraw, reject, and, and withdraw your application. But okay. Boy, they're, they're pushing that December 1st deadline. Yeah, I, I would ask them if they're for real on that. Maybe they are, but... They also could be flexible. If well, here's the, here's the challenge. If you ask them if they'll extend it and they say no, if you ask a couple of days before, you could write back via email 
and say, okay, thank you. I understand. I'll likely pursue other schools and then see if they extend, right? Like in some ways you have to play chicken with them. Depends on how important the school is to you. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. In the last week of November, if you wanted to be, uh, if you weren't sure still, it really yeah. comes down to that. If you're willing to walk away and you know that you have the likelihood of other offers that are going to be just as good or better, then you have the power to do that. And they actually might respond and say, it's okay. We'll let you go till December 15th. So for now, don't mention the deadline Write back and ask about why is it a stipend in the, or a scholarship in the first year and then a waiver in the second year. Ask yep. if you can get more explanation on that. Oh, and then and also then, ask whether the money in the first year is going to cover everything. Also ask about the 200 per week. What's your obligation there? Ask how many hours a week you have to slave away for their research center. Yeah. Otherwise, that sounds like a pretty decent offer. Yeah. Keep us posted. Uh, this next one is from Simon. Yours. Greetings, Ben and Nathan. I received my October LSAT score a few days ago, 173 exclamation point. For context, my diagnostic was in the mid 150s and I've been studying using Demon Premium since May. After practice testing consistently between 163 and 168 for the first six weeks, I scored a 166 on test day in May. The intervening studying for the August test was frustrating, semicolon. For weeks, I wasn't seeing any PT improvement while feeling like my understanding was deepening significantly. Well, that's great. If your understanding is deepening significantly, then that you don't have to worry about it. You got it. Just keep going. Shortly before the August test, I ended up consistently, sorry, I started consistently getting zero minus zero at logic games and finally started scoring in the low 170s on PTs on test day. However, I got stumped on a logic game and ended up having to guess on all questions for the last game parentheses. Same thing happened on my June test. I must have had a bad day on LR and RC too, because my score was a very disappointing 164. Okay, so that's a swing and a miss and another swing and a miss, but Simon's going to keep going. Being busier with school in September, I didn't have nearly as much time to study before the October test. However, the full PTs I did take were all in the low to mid 170s, and I felt pretty confident going into test day. I even scored a 176 the day before the test. I'm certain my official 173 was the result of a perfect LG section, semicolon, I finished the section with six minutes left and double-checked all the answers. It felt like one of the easiest logic game sections I'd ever done. The reading comp and LR sections felt more difficult than usual, so I, w I wasn't even sure I scored in the 170s while waiting for the result. I know y'all are going to say that this is the result of my hard work, yada, 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 which is true. I put in hundreds of hours of studying this summer. I did every logic game at least twice. But if this effort wasn't expended under your guidance and strategies, I know there's no chance I'd have the score on record that I do now. I'm glad I put my trust in you guys through this process and not some other garbage test prep company. The thousand bucks I spent on LSAT Demon Prep was well worth it. Seriously, thank you. It means a lot. Simon. What do you think the return on investment was uh, for Simon's thousand dollars that he spent on LSAT Demon? Oh, hundredfold. Yeah, at I least, mean, at least, because you also have to think about the lifetime return of going to an astronomically different school, different job prospects. Mid one fifty to one seventy three is worth a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, a, a thousand fold would be a million dollars. Is it worth a million dollars that Simon improved his LSAT by twenty points? Very possibly, very possibly. Just in future future earnings, if he ends up in yeah. the stratosphere, yeah. Um, 
Well, it, it, there's I'm so many things going on full. here. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but but hold on, like think about this for a second. When you when you succeed in one thing, and Simon clearly put in a lot of work. Simon is also changing who he is in some ways as a person. He sees himself now more as I encountered something challenging. I worked my ass off on it. And then I got the result I wanted. That's only going to encourage more of that kind of behavior. If you go halfway and you quit, then that's going to encourage that kind of behavior where you go and you say, hey, okay, I'm out. I'm out. So yeah. what's, how's this going to translate into law school grades, OCI, future jobs? I mean, Simon's really setting himself up to, to potentially make millions as a partner. He starts his legal career knowing that he scored higher than all but one or two percent of the competition on the test. And he knows he didn't get there from just like pure talent or whatever. He wasn't just naturally good at it. He kept he persevered to end up with that result. Yeah. And so he he then knows that he can he can take on challenges that are like a stretch for him and end up, you know, rising to that challenge. So, yeah, I mean, it's got to be an amazing confidence builder. You think Simon should take it again? I do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you had just scored We've said a that three times on this show today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why not? Like, what's the downside? I mean, it sounds like, Simon, you kind of barely got to perfect on the games. Now, you did do every game section twice. So you're, you're, you can't, you know, you no longer have the ability to do any diagnostic kind of like timed sections or whatever, but you can continue to practice those games and just get to the point where you can reliably smash any section of games. And then if you had a RC or LR that seemed easy, you know, that that wasn't more difficult than usual, it could be easy to ratchet up a few more points. Yeah. And the ratchet really only goes up because if you took it again and scored lower, it wouldn't hurt you. Yeah. All right. Want to look at this last one from Caitlin? Yep. Can you please cover EFLEP or FELEP? What the heck is that? FLEP? Do people say FLEP or EFLEP? Can you I please like cover? E I think it's e both. EFLEP slash FLEP program for active duty military. Well, I don't know anything about that, unfortunately. I hear that applying to schools with this program is really good because you have guaranteed job, a guaranteed job, and also they don't have to offer you scholarships because school is paid for. Also, do active duty military members qualify for in-state tuition at schools? I think if you're in the state, but I don't know that that's a blanket thing. <laughs> that's going to vary state by state. You're going to, I don't know what state you're in. I'm not going to yeah. call 50 different states to figure it out. You can call your local schools and talk about the difference between state and uh, in-state and out-of-state tuition. And if you're flexible geographically, well, then you're probably not flexible geographically to all 50 states. You can probably narrow it down a bit. So uh, figure that out on the phone with them. As far as what FLEP even is, FLEP stands for Funded Legal Education Program. Hmm. And it looks like there is a funded legal education program for at least Army and Air Force. Oh, there we go. And Marines. I got to think Navy and Space Force. Don't forget. <laughs> um, I forgot. So, I did forget about that. <laughs> I think everyone forgot about Space Force. Um, the uh, 
point is you can Google and find out more about these programs. We would be speculating, Ben, to to really say much more. EFLEP, I I want to say that EFLEP stands for enlisted. Mm. So it's the same program, but for enlisted folk. And it's looking like I'm seeing that for Air Force and for other branches of the armed forces. I don't really know what more we can do to cover the issue, though, Caitlin. So uh, if you have more specific questions, you can always reach out. Yep. Do you, Ben, would you be willing to speculate on whether law schools uh, like prefer those applicants because one, they're going to have a job afterward and two, because they don't have to offer you scholarships because. Absolutely. E-flip and flip is already a scholarship. They're coming knocking. It doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter uh, whether they're you're in the bottom of the pack. As long as you qualify to some degree, they're going to be happy because they don't have to worry about paying for you, giving you money to entice you. Yeah. It's like you're showing up with a bag of cash. I mean, you know, they don't care who's paying. They just want to know that it's reliably paid for. And uh, if your you know, grandpa is building a built a library on campus, or if Uncle Sam is um, showing up saying, hey, don't worry about it. We got this one. Not only mm-hmm. that, but they're going to help your uh, employment stats because they're going to definitely be employed by us. We're going to get our money's worth out of this person and they're going to work for us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's just a win-win. I mean, I, we, I don't know that we have any like direct evidence that the standards, uh, like the, the admission standards are lower for these applicants, but surely it would stand to reason. Well, just take two applicants that have the same numbers and one is paid for the other one. You have to entice a little bit, even with a scammership. Why keep the money and then use that money to entice someone with higher scores. And by keep the money, I mean, accept the person with the FLEP program. Yeah. They're obviously good for it. So, you know, yeah, it, it's stands to reason that they would be less willing to offer you a scholarship, but also more willing to admit you. Yep. Great. I guess that's everything. Be LSAT famous. Get on an upcoming show by emailing help at thinkinglsat.com. Those emails all go to Nathan. So send as many as you, as you want. Um, if you have questions about the LSAT demon, email help at lsatdemon.com. That goes to our lovely Demon Help team. They are amazing. You can also check out our other podcast, LSAT Demon Daily. That was episode 376 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school.